0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and people who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I'm quite chipper today. I've been day drinking. I started with my red wine early today. It's 4.30. It's 7.30 on the East Coast, and I operate on East Coast hours, so it's like I'm drinking in the evening as opposed to the late afternoon stay with me. I'm still on the hunt for my Usher tickets. I was on the site earlier today. I would like to go opening night. It's over a month from now. I'm very excited about Usher being in Vegas. If I wait till tickets are actually like halfway decent, by which I mean $700 minimum for a good seat. If I wait till then, then I'm waiting like two months. But if I try to go opening night, a decent seat right now, $2,856 2856 American USD dollars, dineros, and bucks. Usher. Usher. I can't spend $3,000 on a fucking ticket for Usher. And I'm not mad at Usher for charging this much. I'm actually not. I want this black man to get his coins. And people are paying it. People are absolutely paying it. Because the first time we talked about Usher tickets, I was outraged that they were $1,900. And then last week, they were like $3,200. So they're down. The price of the ticket is down to $2,800. It's not even VIP. That's not no add-on. That's not a special laminate for a VIP ticket. That's not like cocktails with Usher and a photo before the show. That's just show your ass up and watch this show. And I was like, I can't. I can't. You know I'm going to this Usher show. I'm going to figure it out, like by hook or by crook. I had to call back (laughs) two careers ago. I had to call back home to New York, not D.C. I started my career covering music and entertainment. I had to call back to old friends. I was like, who still works at this record label? I was like, there were favors that were never returned. I wrote bios for artists that I didn't get checks for. I was supposed to get paid. I didn't. You owe me one. Okay. Owe me this one. But I really had to call back, and I was like, hey, y'all got any connects on these Usher tickets? Because, um, yeah. Called his old tour manager, was like, hey, so I need a favor. Look, I'm going to get into this damn concert, and I'm not paying $3,000 to go. I'm not paying $1,000 either. I'm going to get into this show, and I'm going to get good seats, and I'm not paying an arm and a leg to see Usher. You already got me going out to Vegas. Vegas! In the desert heat in the middle of summer. Californians do not go to Vegas in the dead heat of summer. We go in the off season since Vegas is right there. Technically, you can drive, but it's like 45 minutes on a plane and it's cheap. The airport's right there once you get to Vegas. But look, I'm already willing to go to Vegas in the summer in 110 degree heat. I'm willing to do this for Usher. And you want to charge me $3,000 to see you? I want you to get your coin, black man, but I don't want you to take it from me. Come on, Usher. We got to figure something out. Something must be done about this. I have to see Usher. I love Usher. I really do. I even love Usher's bad music. You know, Confessions went diamond, and that's not really going to happen twice in a lifetime. Whatever music he made and makes after Confessions will always be compared to Confessions. It's like Michael Jackson in Thriller. Like, once you go diamond... It's really hard to do again. Most people don't do it the first time. So, like, no shade. None at all. To do another R&B album after Confessions, people are just going to be like, well, this isn't Confessions. So we went in a whole different direction and did, like, techno. And I was like, Usher? I'm going to ride with you, bruh. Because, again, I want a black man to get his coins. And I really like Usher. He understands my sense of romance. In his music, at least. My sister, best friend, in Atlanta was like, girl, You're not paying that much to go see Usher. She's like, you want to see Usher? She was like, come down to Atlanta and go shopping at the Publix. Usher does his own grocery shopping. You will run into him at the store. He be out. You'll see Usher. You want to see Usher? You can see Usher for free at the grocery store. I'm not mad he's a normal person. I just wish he would charge some normal fucking prices for his tickets. Jesus. I'm not letting this go. Just FYI, y'all gonna hear about this obsession with these Usher tickets until I get tickets. Or until I go to the show, which has to happen. I'm just saying. (sighs) What's going on in good black news this week? There's a lot. Meghan and Harry had the baby. It's a little girl, Lilibet Diana. She is named for her grandmother and her great-grandmother. Because Queen Elizabeth's family name is Lilibet. Isn't it? Am I making that shit up? No, 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 I'm right, I'm right. I remember this from an episode of The Crown. She was called Lilibet as a kid. Lilibet is British white people's abbreviation for Elizabeth. Like over here, Elizabeth is Liz, but over there, it's Lilibet, fine enough name. But I'm excited about the baby, I just wanna see the pictures. Cause baby, what's that baby's name? Archie, baby Archie, he's so cute, he's a cute little boy. He's just all round and chubby, he's so cute. I can't wait to see Lilibet. I wonder if she'll have red hair too. You know what I'm about to say next. I don't mean it in no kind of bad way. But I wonder if she'll have a little melanin. Or she didn't get much. Not much at all. But you know those black jeans are strong. They show up in the oddest of places. And Megan's mom is a very brown woman. I'm looking forward to seeing Lilibet's melanin. The bullshit has already started. Baby ain't but a couple days old. Maybe a day. Shit. A British journalist just said some shit. They're talking about it in one of my white lady groups on Facebook. Upon hearing the announcement about the new royal baby, a British journalist tweeted they should have named her Georgina Floydina. And that person referred to a brand new baby as an it. The British are wild. Not that people don't say crazy shit over here, but that's just some wild shit to say. Like... It's a baby. What the fuck is wrong with you people? And better black news, and not better than Meghan and Harry's baby. I mean, better than like the bullshit that the journalist said. Olympian Simone Biles, she's earned her seventh US all around title, and she's become the only woman with seven all around titles in history. That's a lot of winning. That's a lot of winning for one woman, which she deserves to mark this occasion. <laughs> She's funny. She had some bedazzling on her competition costume. She had little bedazzled rhinestones on her shoulder and on her thigh in the shape of a goat for greatest of all time. Which I mean, you are like, you know, she ain't lying. It's a little stuntastic, but I'll allow it. She deserves it. She's been catching hell as of late. She's being, I don't know if if punished is the right word. Simone Biles (laughs) is an extremely talented athlete and she is capable of gymnastic feats that many of her competitors, i.e. white girls, are not. Just for kicks and because she can, she does a lot of really complicated, what's the word, moves. And one of them is the Yurchenko double pike. I don't even know how to describe it to you. It just, it's, it's some complicated shit. The New York times describes this move as quote, so perilous and challenging that no other woman has attempted it in competition. And it is unlikely that any woman in the world is even training to give it a try. However, Simone Biles just recently did it in competition and and she nailed it because that's what she does. And She wasn't scored properly. And I didn't understand exactly what that meant. I had to go read about it. So gymnastics routines, from what I've read, are judged and scored based on their execution, so how well you do, and then also the difficulty. So there's a basic backflip that is scored one way. And then there's something like this Yurchenko double pike, which only Simone Biles can do. However, When she did this move, it wasn't scored accurately. She didn't gain extra points acknowledging the difficulty of this move. And in this piece on Salon about Simone Biles, it points out that, quote, The rationale for this scoring has often been that there are safety risks for other gymnasts who aren't able to complete the moves that Biles is. If her moves are rewarded with high scores, then other gymnasts will be motivated to try them. What? This piece also points out that Biles' talent has also been criticized as somehow being unfair to other gymnasts for her ability to do what others can't. Something, here we go, that's often celebrated and glorified for white or male athletes. For example... Michael Phelps is a swimmer who's won more Olympic medals than anyone in history. He is widely recognized and beloved as the greatest swimmer of our time, despite his immense built in advantages, including not just the size and proportions of his body, but how his body produces half the amount of lactic acid of the average person, which decreases his fatigue and sharply increases his recovery time. In other words, and Salon just calls a thing a thing, on a technical and cultural level, Biles is being punished and subjected to undeniably racist and sexist double standards for her greatness. I hate this shit. It's so enraging, and it happens all the time. White folks go and create these rules. They create all these barriers of entry for black folks. Black folks somehow figure out a way to do the thing that they want to do. Then when they do it and do it well... And then better than white folks, they want to go change the fucking rules. Or in the case of Tulsa, burn the shit down. I was watching this documentary on PBS the other day. And, and just to be transparent, like they paid me to do an ad on Instagram. But I did actually watch the documentary and it was good. But they were talking about Black Wall Street and the Tulsa massacre. And one of the experts on the show was like, yeah, like, you know, people always talk about Tulsa as like, you know, the richest black enclave at the time. And they were like, yeah, they were like, it wasn't like the richest black enclave in Oklahoma. It was the richest enclave. Like that was the rich neighborhood with, with the black people. And white people couldn't handle that shit. So they went and burnt the whole damn place down, killed like 300 people. And then threw bodies in a mass grave, which they still trying to find the bodies to this day. I was reading this story the other day about a graduation. I want to say it's in Mississippi. And, you know, people hear about Mississippi, and they're just like, oh, God. But My father's a Mississippi, and he was like, Mississippi white folks ain't worse than nowhere else. They just more open about it, but they ain't worse. But I'm going somewhere with this. Don't think I'm going on, like, a, a wine-fueled tangent, i.e. drunk. No, a Mississippi school was recently called out for naming some random white kids as valedictorian and salutatorian after two black students were already chosen. I'm reading this from Black Enterprise. So the two Black students, young Black women, they were the valedictorian and salutatorian of West Point Consolidated School District. Once the white folks figured out that it was going to be two Black girls as the number one and number two, they were like, oh, no, 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 no. They decided to add two white people. And here was their logic. They said there's a QPA a quality point average, which is some shit I've never heard of. And then there's also the grade point average. And so they said the black girls had the quality point average, but the school district needed to recognize the grade point average, which happened to be these two white students. So all four of the students were going to be recognized at graduation. And I was like, ain't that some shit? Because once again y'all created some rules, you created barriers for entry, black folks figured out once again how to do the thing they wanted to do, they played by your rules, and then when you saw they were better than you, you changed the rules. That's why I get so upset about this Naomi Osaka thing. Black folks, I would say overall, there's always some outliers, but I would say overall black folks support Naomi Osaka and they are like you know you are having some mental health issues you don't want to do this shit you got your fuck you money go on and take care of yourself come back when you're ready in general with the white groups I'm in pissed she's breaking the rules why can't she follow the rules the rules the rules the rules the rules and I'm like y'all don't follow the fucking rules why do you want her to follow the rules and actually she did follow the rules contractually, she was obligated to speak to the press or pay the fine. She said, great. I don't want to speak to the press. I know I'm going to be fined. Take my money. Hopefully you can donate it to a mental health organization. She gladly paid the fine. And then they came back. The French open is the day. Then they came back and was like, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. And if you don't do blah, blah, blah. And so she was like, you know what? No. And I'm just going to leave because she didn't want to break the rules. White people be like, the rules, the rules, the rules. But y'all change the rules all the time. When the rules are not in your favor, you change the rules. You call them laws. When white people can no longer get elected in a certain congressional district, they draw these crazy-ass squiggly lines, i.e. gerrymandering, so they can compile enough votes to keep getting white people elected. Y'all create rules for elections. You talk about the electoral college. You talk about the popular vote the most recent former president of the United States, lost by a landslide. He lost in 2020 by nearly the exact same landslide by which he kept saying he won in 2016. He didn't accept the rules. He threw a goddamn bitch fit and then had people storm the Capitol and had people try to kill the vice president and the Speaker of the House and terrorize the rest of Congress. You know those animals went into the Capitol and the congressional buildings and shit all over the place? The rumors abound. Everyone in D.C. talks about how those wild animal white people came and shit everywhere. It's just disgusting. And there are news articles that confirm the shit. Like, it's not just, like, insider tales. But white people just change the rules all willy-nilly. But whenever something happens with black people, they would be like, the rules, the rules, the rules, the rules. Y'all don't play by the rules, but y'all want everybody else to? Why? We'd be stupid too. I can't talk about white people no more. I'm kind of exhausted today. I'm sorry. But the end result of this Mississippi situation, the school board basically apologized and was like, yeah, but all four of these people are getting recognized. So get over it. So the black girls don't get their proper just due. They have to like share their valedictorian and salutatorian status with some insufficient white people. So unfortunate. We need more good news. So the E! Network, they have a show called Reunion Road Trip. I have never heard of this before, but that's okay. But on June 24th, they're doing a reunion with the cast of A Different World. Very exciting. They've been getting a lot of attention lately. In the latest issue of Vanity Fair, the one with Issa on the cover. Which, pause, 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 pause. I remember... I don't know, maybe eight years ago. I think she had a feature in Essence. Maybe it was a profile. I don't think it was a feature. She wasn't on the cover of Essence. She was on one of the opening pages. So maybe like the table of contents page. There was a big picture of her that took up half the page. And I was so, so proud of her. Because again... Me and Naima used to sit at Essence, and this was part of our job, so it wasn't like we were just completely goofing off at work. Like, our boss knew we were watching YouTube content and absolutely did not care as long as we hit our deadlines. I say all that to say that maybe like eight years ago, I saw a picture of Issa on the table of content, and I was so proud, and I was so proud of her, because I was like, oh, the girl from YouTube is now being featured in Essence, and I was so, so happy. And the other day, I went to the newsstand, and I picked up two different magazine covers with Issa on them. Why am I tearing up? I don't even know her like that. Jesus. Like, hi, bye, and hugs and shit, but, like, her number's not in my phone anymore. I'm really tearing up. But she was on the cover of Rolling Stone and Vanity Fair. And they're all celebrating the final season, the fifth season of her show on HBO. And I'm like, I remember when you was on YouTube I'm so proud oh it's a really good article in Vanity Fair but I'm here to talk about this article in the Vanity Fair with Issa on the cover that's about a different world and it's a really juicy article and they gave it significant length to acknowledge the the impact of the show they didn't give it like you know 250 words it was a good three four page read it's really meaty but Vanity Fair caught up with many of the cast members from a different world, as well as producers and writers. But they go really in-depth about the creation of the show and the meaning of the show and how the show changed over time. How it was a very different show, first season and then second season and beyond. But there are so many interesting tidbits, and I don't want to share them all. I want you to pick up the magazine because Issa's on the cover. But it has really like juicy tidbits about the show. like. I think the episode that is largely considered, I think, to be the greatest one is Whitley and Dwayne's impromptu backdoor wedding. And Kadeem Hardison, who obviously played Dwayne Wayne, hated the idea of interrupting the wedding. And he fought it all the way up until actual filming. His infamous line in the wedding, Baby, please! He was like, yeah, so I forgot my lines and that wasn't in the script and the baby please wasn't like Dwayne begging Whitley to to have him. It was Kadeem Hardison, the actor, begging Jasmine Guy to continue with her line because clearly he forgot his and he didn't want to interrupt the scene and do a second take. So he says... That they shot the scene with the ad lib lines and everything was just crazy and chaotic. They got the shot and Debbie Allen was like, okay, next scene. One take. And that's that. I love that story. Even though I love what Dwayne Wayne did at the wedding. Because, you know, it's an iconic scene. I think it makes Kadeem Hardison seem like a good person of great character. And now I question my own because as many times as I've seen that episode and watched that scene never once have I thought about it from Byron's perspective which his perspective would be Dwayne Wayne's a dick didn't he work for Byron at one point am I misremembering that I thought he worked for Byron as part of his campaign I don't know if he was the campaign manager but I'm pretty sure he worked for Byron you worked for this man you had a friendly relationship with this man He didn't know you when you and Whitley were together. He's coming in on the back end. And then you break up sir's wedding and marry the woman that he's in love with at said wedding? Which some of it had to be on his dime. And I know the family of the bride usually pays for weddings, but Byron had to pay for something. I would have been in small claims court suing him for everything I could down to my haircut for the day of the wedding. Like I won all my coins, cash, USD, dollars, dineros, bucks, I want it all back. I want to be reimbursed for everything just because that's my level of petty. How you going to break up somebody else's wedding and then get married at the same wedding? It's kind of grimy. And remember last episode I was talking about we need to reframe some things from the 90s? Like the way we looked at Britney and Robin Givens? I was like, yeah. I'm not saying reframe Dwayne Wayne and Whitley. I'm just saying maybe we could acknowledge Byron's pain. That's all. That's all. And other good black news. There's a lot of good black news this week. That's good. Tiana Taylor has been named number one on Maxim's list of hot 100 women of influence. She is on the cover. She looks fucking phenomenal. I can't believe she has two kids. Her body with no kids is out of this world. But with two kids and still looking like that, She's absolutely amazing. I think she's such a beautiful woman. I love her and Iman. I think they're absolutely adorable. And they make beautiful babies. They made the same baby twice. But that kind of happens sometimes when, like, your kids are by the same person. So, you know. I want them to stay happy. I want them to stay happy and wonderful. I know they've done reality TV before. But I think they have another reality TV show coming down the pipeline. Having that level of scrutiny on your relationship and life is very, very hard. I hope they can weather the storms that come with that level of scrutiny. They've done it before. They've done it before. I think they're quirky and adorable. Like, you know how I always talk about like finding a lid for your pot? I feel like they're the lids for each other's pot. They're the exact same level of like quirky and mischievous and sexy and parenty, Like they just they just vibe well together. I like them much. You know, I was reading on Essence that Tiana is the first black woman to be named Maxim's sexiest woman alive. And I was like, is that accurate? Because I know they do a list every year. They've done it for at least a decade. And it's usually a list of 100. But I guess this is the first time a black woman's ranked number one. I could have sworn Rihanna had been number one before. I went to check on that and she was Esquire's sexiest woman alive. But I couldn't find another black number one for Maxim. So I guess Tiana's it. Which is good for her, I guess. But also really weird for Maxim. How long y'all been operating and making these lists? And never, ever until 2021 did you have a black girl at the top of the list? Really? Michaela Cole. Michaela Cole. She had that amazing show. On HBO, I May Destroy You, about a woman dealing with the aftermath of being raped. But I think even larger, it explored the idea of consent. It was a really, really good show. I reviewed it for Essence and I binged all the episodes in one night, which was a horrible idea because it's a really heavy show. But it's smart and it's uncomfortable. And as someone who is a survivor of assault, like a lot of women, it hit all the that I won't speak for all women, but that I went through trying to process exactly what happened. It was really hard to watch, but it was really well done. It was painfully, painfully honest. And Cole did not get the recognition during award season in the States that she should have. I don't, I don't think she was even nominated for anything. Like, largely the show and, and her work on the show. Because she wrote, directed, and acted. She just didn't get the recognition in the States. But she's a UK girl. And the BAFTA TV Awards happened over the weekend. And she picked up a win for Best Actress. And also for best miniseries. So she got her awards at home. I think that probably counts more for her than getting them in the States. Getting getting appreciated at home always means a little more than getting appreciated elsewhere. Even if elsewhere, Hollywood would happen to be the bigger industry. Getting recognized by your own means a lot. So I hope that she knows, even though she wasn't recognized formally, in the States. I hope that she knows what a masterpiece that she created. Maybe over time, people will catch on to it. Like it's, it was a really good show. Hard watch. I'll never watch it again, but it was a really, really, really good show. And not so good news. Gary Owens and his wife, they're going through it. After 18 years, I believe she filed for divorce. I didn't really pay much attention to their divorce. His wife, pretty much stays out of the limelight. And Gary Owens, I don't really know anything about him other than, I know he's a comedian, but I know him as the white guy who was on Kevin Hart's reality show that was actually scripted on BET, Real House Husbands. He was the random white guy who I couldn't figure out why he was on the show. And I was like, oh, is this like BET doing like the token white dude? Okay. He never stood out to me one way or another, but not in a good way, not in a bad way, just not in in no kind of way. But he and his wife of 18 years are filing for divorce. They have three children. I never heard a peep from his wife until sometime, I guess over the weekend earlier today, she let him have it publicly. I did know that she was asking for something like $40,000 a month, but I think she's alleging that he makes around $200,000 a month. Just doing quick math in my head, less than a fourth of, of the income that she says that he's making. I don't know what he was thinking. He put on a t-shirt that says breadwinner, phonetically, and then it has the definition of breadwinner. So so imagine what, if you looked up breadwinner in the dictionary, what that would look like. He put that on. He went out in public. He took a picture And then he posted it on his Instagram and his wife proceeded to go the fuck off. I'm going to read you what she wrote on, on the open and public Instagram. And she added him. So this wasn't just a rant. This was an open letter to her estranged husband. She said, I have never gone to the media. The media goes looking for the paperwork. I have allowed you to tell your family, friends, and fans any false narrative that you want or need it to be about us, the relationship, and our kids, because I don't care or feel a need to defend or explain myself. You and I know what it really is. But when you go and make these dumb, passive-aggressive posts in these insensitive-ass t-shirts, I am triggered and you now have my attention. You haven't supported us since April 1st. I'd just like to point out, today is June 7th. June 7th. She says, nothing, nada, zero, not electric, water, gas, not insurance medical dental life car house etc not groceries not maintenance for the house not the gas or maintenance of the cars not the platinum card i got for us because you wanted one and you couldn't get one on your own not the cell phone you had for 23 years instead you just got another phone number and didn't pay the bill all of our bills are attached to my social security number and credit you have paid the 4500 mortgage that is attached to your social security number and credit for the first time. But that's it. You haven't seen your daughter in over six and a half months. You haven't seen your son in over four months. This is your choice. You do remember us, right? I guess we were useful when your content was needed or when I allowed you to live your best life while I stayed back with our kids, the house, and taking care of the business. This is what it is after 23 years of being the only one to have your back 100% of the time. Wow. The new you is a mofo. Do you even recognize right anymore? You've shown lack of care for me, maintaining the financial stability and sole emotional support for our kids. I am the only person that has always protected you and you treat me like this. It says more about your character than any of your antics. You are not a good guy, so cut it out and get a shirt that says deadbeat. I will let you get back to living your best life, lying, clout chasing, side chicks, and looking for a black celebrity friend group. Hashtag, I give you zero problems. Hashtag, no lies told. Hashtag, don't be late for the court date. That's a lot. That's a lot. I only comment on these things when people put them out there in a way like this, because like I said, like I don't really know who he is and I I don't really know anything about her. Had the missus not written this, I would still not be offering any commentary on it. Let me say this. She references 23 years in her open letter. I guess they've dated for 23, but they've been married for 18. She filed for divorce in the state of California. It's a community property state. Run this lady her rightful coin. I've said this before, when high-profile people get their business in the streets like this, we talked about Jeff Bezos and those text messages. We talked about Bill Gates and and the stories coming out about the women he was fishing for at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Those stories never should have hit the press, and they never would have if mofos would have cut the check. This information right here, like the missus said, you ain't cutting the checks, bruh. This information where she's putting a business on Front Street, you ain't paid for this, you ain't done that. This was your wife. This was your wife of 18 years. She was with you from the beginning. You were the breadwinner. She stayed home and raised your kids. Somebody had to take care of the kids when you were out on the road, sir. She did. She did that. Run her her check. You paid the mortgage. That's good. Don't let your wife get evicted. That's good. Go ahead and pay the electricity and the gas and the insurance, the groceries, things of that nature. Go ahead and run that lady her checks. Don't have her on the internet talking wild and reckless like this. Go ahead and cut this lady a check so y'all can go back to keeping this divorce private and let the lawyers handle this battle. We don't need to read about this shit. All we're going to do is discuss it and some people going to laugh at it, but none of that gets you through this divorce and gets these papers finalized any faster. You making 200000 a month? Run this lady her 44000 because that's a reasonable ass. That's not even half. Because you've been married, again, over 10 years in the state of California. She's entitled to half. If all she wants is 44000 run this lady her check and move on with your life. Let her move on and you move on. I will say this. I will say this. Ma'am did speak about how sir has not seen his children. One of the children, I think she said four months. Another of the children, she said six and a half months. The youngest child in this union is either 17 or 18 years of age. I want to say the kids are like 17, 20, or 21, and then there's an older child who's 30. I was in a Facebook group, one of the private threads, and we were talking about this scenario. And she was like, can she really call him out for not seeing the kids if the kids are grown? And I was like, actually, I think so. I think you can. Because they might be grown kids, but they still your damn kids. They didn't stop being your children. You can't just not speak to your damn kid for four and six and a half months. That's that's kind of wild to me. That that that's a lot. Not speaking to your own damn kid for four months? That's kind of shitty parenting. Unless y'all have had like a huge fallout and there's reason for y'all to go your separate ways, but you just not gonna speak to your kid? That's it's a lot. It's a lot. But I don't know if he'd be called a deadbeat for that. I mean, but again, You're not paying no bills. I know you're mad she filed for divorce. I know you're mad she's leaving you. But that's still like family at this point. You can't just like not take care of your household. That's a lack of character. If what she's saying is true. i say this again. People going through divorces. Some people say wild shit that just is not true. They're angry. They get to talking. I'm going to give this an alleged. I'm not going to take it as pure fact. But if ma'am is presenting facts. Gary is looking like a man of low character here. A cheap man of low character. Run this woman, your wife, even if estranged, run this woman her rightful coin and move the fuck on. And call your kids. Call your kids. It's not okay not to talk to your kids. It's not right. I don't like to see it. I will say this, though, because I've heard a lot of conversations. Women get frustrated with black men and they be like, I can't. I can't with niggas no more. I can't. I'm going to go get me a white man. Don't be thinking these white men going to do you any better. Now, there's some good white men out there. There's some good white men. There's also some good black men. There's also some ain't shit white men. And there's also some ain't shit black men. There is no race of men of any color, of any amount of melanin or hair texture that are guaranteed to treat you well. And there is no race of men. No matter the amount of melanin or the hair texture that is guaranteed to shit on you. It's a crapshoot either way you go. But in case you one of them people, they'd be like, "Ooh, I'm tired of these black men. I'm going to give me a white man. You're going to need more than just the white. You need a white man who also is of good character and takes care of his family and responsibilities. You don't want no white man like Gary, allegedly, who after 23 years ain't paying no bills. Because he mad you leaving him, allegedly, after he got caught cheating. I'm just saying. I have Chrissy Teigen on my list of things to talk about. Do we care? Do we care? Vox.com did a really long story about the cancellation of Chrissy Teigen, her fall from grace. And they talk about how Twitter has changed in the last 10 years. I'm not going into details on this. Chrissy is in hot water again. She said a bunch of stupid shit over the years. I didn't mind her for a really long time. Like, she tap dances on the line of decency, but it really didn't bother me. I remember she made some joke about Meg the Stallion right after Meg had been shot in the foot. And I remember being like, fuck her. Not Meg, Chrissy. If I recall correctly, she got her ass handed to her over that And had to come back and apologize. And then after that, it just seemed like she was on this downward spiral of saying crazy shit. And then having to come back and apologize. I can't remember all the shit she did. But the shit she's accused of doing this time, which I was like, girl, what? Apparently, she was bullying a 16-year-old girl. This was a while ago. It was back in, I want to say, like 2011. But it says, earlier this year, TV personality Courtney Stoughton pointed out a dark side to Tegan's refreshingly unfiltered feed. I had never heard of Courtney Stoughton until she came forward with some tweets and DMs that that Chrissy Tegan had sent to her. According to this Vox article, which is the only thing I have to go on when it comes to Stoughton, Stoughton first became famous in 2011 when at the age of 16... She married a 50-year-old man, an acting coach, Doug Hutchinson. I've never heard of Doug Hutchinson either. Vox classifies Stoden as a child who was being abused by an adult man, which I take no issue with. 16 and 50 is creepy as fuck. And Vox also points out that in 2011, Stoden was widely considered to be someone ridiculous and mockable, someone whose feelings you didn't have to care about. People called her the child bride. They made vicious jokes at her expense. Correction, at their expense. Stoughton identifies as non-binary. Um, Tegan was one of many people to make jokes about Stoden, but did so in a particularly brutal fashion, directing them right at Stoughton, according to this Fox article. Stoughton says, I experienced so much harassment and bullying from Tegan when I was just 16 years old. Stoden revealed multiple tweets Teigen sent at the beginning of the 2010s. Quote, My Friday fantasy, you, dirt nap. Mmm, baby. In another tweet, Teigen simply wrote, I hate you. Stoden says, quote, it really affected me. It's so damaging when you have somebody like Chrissy Teigen bullying children. Stowden also said in an interview with the Daily Beast. Stoden also says that Tegan would occasionally direct message them, telling them to kill themselves. Who the fuck does that? Who DMs someone and tell them to kill themselves? And is someone who's been DM'd and told to kill myself? Or told, like, I wish you were dead instead of your, um, I guess, colleague on the TV show? Like, that's some fucked up shit to say to somebody. As a result of Stodden's admissions... Tegan's cookware line disappeared from the Macy's website. The Cut, Vulture, Slate, and USA Today wrote unflattering stories about Tegan. Tegan responded, she says, quote, I'm mortified and sad at who I used to be. I was an insecure, attention-seeking troll. I am ashamed and completely embarrassed at my behavior, but that is nothing compared to how I made Courtney feel. Tegan apparently has not posted since. Is that accurate? Chrissy Tegan hasn't tweeted in like over a month? Oh, this piece was written on June 7th. Oh, yeah, that came out today. I'll, I'll trust Vox on that one. Do you care? I care about them, Stoden Because that's like really fucked up to be on the receiving end of something like that. But Chrissy getting dragged? Yeah. Chrissy no longer on social media? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really care. Do you care? I don't care what else anything else oh there's Naomi Osaka news as of this morning and again I'm recording this on Monday as of this morning she officially withdrew from the Berlin tournament I have no idea what the name of the Berlin tournament is it's just referred to as the Berlin tournament it's tennis obviously but the big deal about her not playing in Berlin is now people are wondering whether she's going to play at Wimbledon, which begins June 28th. And there's also a question as to whether she will attend the Olympics in Tokyo next month. Notably, Osaka, who is part Japanese, is one of the spokespeople for the Olympics. There's commercials and everything. But they don't know whether Osaka is going to show up for the Olympics. She did update her Instagram account over the weekend. She posted an IG story And said, quote, I just wanted to thank you for all the love. She said she hasn't been on social media very much. But when she is, she has felt the love from the audience. Which is good for her. She needs a little love. I'm glad that she's feeling it. Since we last spoke, there's been other people who have come out to support her. Will Smith being one of them. Will Smith uploaded a post to his 53.8 million Instagram followers. It was a handwritten note. It said, Hey, Naomi, you are right. They are wrong. I am with you. Love will, which I thought was very sweet because he didn't have to say shit, but he did. I appreciate him. Sloane Stevens. She is a competitor of Naomi. She also expressed support for her. She said, quote, we should support her and applaud her because a lot of people wouldn't do that. A lot of people play through being miserable and being upset and not being able to speak out and say those things. So I think instead of basically traumatizing her and making fun of her situation, we should be more accepting and allow her to take the time she needs to work on herself and better herself so she can be in a better position to play tennis and be happy and enjoy her tennis. I like Sloan. I mean, I like her for many reasons. This comment is just another reason why. But I like her because she looks like a black Barbie. She's, like, gorgeous. She's got dimples. She's, like, beautiful. She's really pretty. She may also be good at tennis. I don't watch tennis. I just I think she's pretty. And to my knowledge, she never done anything stupid, so I like her. It's that simple. Be pretty. Don't do stupid shit. I'm easy to win over. I have posed on my list of things to talk about. I wrote an in-depth review or recap or reaction piece, I don't know how you want to describe it, to the series finale of Pose last night. I boohooed through most of that episode. I don't know if everyone's had a chance to watch it. I know everyone is not able to watch shows when they come on or immediately after, so I don't want to spoil it for people who are listening and haven't had a chance to to watch the show. If you want to know my thoughts on the Pose series finale, you can just check my social media pages. You can look at them there and converse with the large community of others who were also in mourning with me over the end of that show. I thought Pose was a smart and good and necessary show that brought a lot of, what's the word I want to say? Humanity? Insight? Insight? To the LGBTQ plus community. I'm not saying that the right way. Um, let me say it like this. The Pose finale ends in 1998. I was 18 or 19 years old in 98. A lot of the events that happened in Pose, particularly the activism, were just on the margins of my life. I think when I was in college, I knew one person that died of, of AIDS, to my knowledge. But that was my only encounter with AIDS. So much of what happened in Pose were things I remember sort of on the margins of my life. Like I remember hearing about the death toll and I remember hearing about like the gay men's choir or the AIDS quilt, AZT even, or the cocktails. I remember hearing statistics about HIV and AIDS, but watching Pose really brought it home. Like the massive loss. And I don't mean just death, but I mean of but I mean of vibrant people with full lives and bright futures with endless possibilities if they just got a chance to live. I definitely appreciate Pose for bringing the activism of the LGBT community to the forefront, but more than anything, I appreciate it for giving face, voice, story to groups of people who had been reduced to statistics. And that's what I appreciate most about Pose. Like It was a good story, well told, Sometimes it was rushed, like this last season with only seven episodes. I want to fight whoever caused the conflict behind the scenes that didn't allow this show to go on for a full five or six seasons like it should have. Because there's no reason a show as good as Pose should be ending in season three. It wasn't for a lack of viewership. It wasn't for a lack of interest. I don't know what happened behind the scenes. We'll find out 10 years from now in some retrospective about the show and we'll all be flabbergasted about like that was it. I'm very sorry to see it go. But it's a really, really, really good show. So yeah. So that's the episode this week. Thank you for listening as always. If you need some ratchet and respectable in your life between now and Friday, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Demetria L Lucas. And if you need merch, for Don't Waste Your Pretty. We're still working on Ratchet and Respectable. Thank you to the many people who reached out and was like, what do you need, sis? Because I need my merch. Let's make this happen. I do appreciate you very much. But if you need Don't Waste Your Pretty merch, you can also get that on DemetriaLLucas.com. We have tees and mugs left. I think the pink is only in 2X. I think there's all sizes for the white v-necks. And in the tees, I think there's extra larges and smalls. And in the mugs... There's white and pink and white and red. So pick those up if you haven't had a chance while they're still in stock. And yes, I think that's everything. We'll talk again on Friday. Okay, bye.